Hello, my friends. This is Donna. And this episode is Why I Believe in Reincarnation, Part 2. Part 2. I split it into two parts because I would like to focus on this uh, episode on the science or the process of visiting other lifetimes, specifically in the QHHT mode. QHHT, which stands for Quantum Healing Hypnosis Technique, is a method of direct access, kind of like a bridge between our subconscious mind where everything is stored and our conscious or limited mind. So your brain and my brain are vibrating at a frequency that we can assign megahertz values to. The ranges of megahertz that our brains are in at any given time have been divided into four main brain waves. They are alpha, beta, theta, and delta. There are also some sub waves, sub brain waves. I'm not going to go into them today. We're going to focus on the four main brain waves. Alpha is the lightest form of trance. This is where we spend the majority of our waking time, actually. It is sort of like the autopilot mode for our brains where we don't have to focus on what we're doing because it's habitual or familiar behavior. Examples would be any tasks where your mind can wonder like folding laundry or painting walls or knitting or things you do when your mind is at rest like driving, watching TV, playing video games, that sort of thing. Whenever we quote-unquote zone out, we are referring to being in alpha mode. Because alpha is a trance state, we are suggestible while we're in this brainwave. We actually take things in at a deeper level without the conscious mind playing gatekeeper. Marketers know this. Marketers know this, and they exploit this. So most of the ads that you see when you're watching TV or even just driving by the billboards um, and the messages that you get during the news or, or even during movies or video games are actually programming you to a certain extent. All of your entertainment takes place in Alpha Brainwave, so choose wisely. Alpha is easily remembered by autopilot. Let's move on to beta. Beta is fully engaged, the fully engaged mind. Your mind is focused and interacting with whatever is going on around you. When you are learning new and interesting information or solving problems or participating in anything that takes conscious effort, you are in beta brainwave. We spend the least amount of time in this brainwave probably because it can be tiring. We are often forming new neural pathways in our brains while we're in beta. So when we say our brain hurts after something like a work conference or after learning something that took every bit of our concentration because it stretched or challenged us, we have spent a longer time in beta than we are accustomed to. Alpha, in contrast, is deepening already existing pathways in the brain. 
Side note. So changing habits is conscious work that we do in beta to get out of the autopilot or the sort of ruts of alpha and create new habits or pathways. Beta is easily remembered by brain work. Theta. Theta is the deeper trance state than alpha. You pass through theta at least twice a day when you're falling asleep and when you are waking up. If you meditate regularly, you may be experiencing theta brainwaves during meditation as well. Some people can zone out deep enough while they're watching TV to the level of a light theta trance. We take clients into the theta brainwave during QHHT because that is where the conscious can link with the subconscious. Theta is experienced differently by different people. It ranges from total or partial recall of what you've experienced to no recall of what you've experienced. Kind of like, you know how dream recall is very, very different for everyone. Some people don't remember their dreams at all, and some people can remember, remember every little nuance and detail. Um, kind of like that. Theta is different for everyone. You, however, are not asleep in theta. You are awake and you are responding and usually have some level of recall of your experiences. Only about 10% of the population do not have any recall after coming out of the theta trance during sessions. We do record the sessions so the client has it to listen to later and gain the most out of it. Most clients experience a fading recall after a time, just like a dream eventually fades, even if you remembered it once you woke up. You are highly suggestible in theta brainwave. However, your higher consciousness is still fully in charge. Hypnotherapists do not have the control over you that they are sometimes touted to or believed to. You will actually not go against your morals or your belief systems or do or see or experience anything that you don't want to during theta trance because your higher self, which is the part of you that knows all and keeps the records of everything you've ever experienced, is always in charge. During QHHT, this higher part of you, which we refer to as the SC, is who guides the session and determines which lifetimes to take you to. The hypnotherapist takes you into the theta brainwave, but you are the one that actually visits the lifetime and describes it. The hypnotherapist asks questions to get the lifetime story and the bigger reasons or lessons for it. The answers come from the client who is visiting their own experiences and accessing these other parts of themselves. Theta brainwave gets our conscious programming out of the way and allows us to visit other dimensions of time and space. It feels very much like dreaming when you are awake. In fact, it feels very, very natural. I mean, not at all extraordinary. It is only our conditioned or limited mind that considers this extraordinary or strange in any way. 
Theta is a very restful and revitalizing state for your brain, for your whole body, in the same ways that sleep or meditation is. Theta is easily remembered by trance. And finally, delta. Delta is when you are fast asleep, when you are not conscious of what is going on with your body or around you. Uh, Delta brainwave is where your subconscious or your higher self works with you on all levels of your being, so physically, emotionally, spiritually, etc., via dreams. Your body uh, can cleanse and heal itself during deep, deep sleep, which is why uh, we talk about and a lot of people talk about the importance of enough sleep. Our dreams serve many purposes, many purposes, like, for instance, passing messages to our conscious mind that are important that we know so we can integrate that into our life, whatever the message is, or we work out trauma or emotions that we cannot or will not consciously process during dream time. We release electrical charge built up during our busy days. So kind of the um, scientific form of stress, you might call it, (laughs) that we can work out and, and let go of and really heal from while we're sleeping. Another thing that many or possibly even most of us do while we are asleep, is visiting other selves or other people that we love. So we exist on multiple planes in multiple dimensions, and so do other people, of course. We all, we all exist in multiple planes in multiple realities and multiple dimensions. So while we are sleeping, there are times that we visit these other selves or, or other people. And um, I know that's kind of a far out there thought, but if you are someone who is already working with your dreams, you might start to pay attention. Just, just let that knowledge kind of settle <laughs> and start to work with that and see where that takes you. It's kind of fun. Dream work can be very powerful, of course. If you are experiencing vivid dreams or recurring dreams or nightmares, your subconscious is valiantly trying to bring your attention to something that is important. So I would encourage you to work with a a counselor or a dream interpreter or psychic if you are stuck as how to receive those messages. QHHT is something also that can help with that. We, we do work with, we can, you can pretty much ask any question <laughs> at all um, during a QHHT session. So Delta is easily remembered by dream. I want to share with you just a few examples of my own past life memories or some very interesting uh, QHHT practitioner experiences. Just a, just a few. Most lives are actually mundane and simple. And they range from accomplishing what we wanted to inside the life to dismally failing at it. <laughs> and of course, we learn just as much from our successes as we do our failures and vice versa. There are infinite chances and infinite time So there really is no rush to, quote-unquote, get it right in the big scheme of things. Uh, 
It's very interesting to be in a lifetime as the opposite gender because it feels completely normal. (laughs) It shows how very much we identify with our physical gender during this lifetime, but yet at the soul level, we are both or neither gender. Also, being the bad guy in a lifetime is interesting. I was killed once because I was a sort of cold, uncaring person who didn't care to connect with the people that I was supposed to be helping during that lifetime. I was a very powerful and foreign person or being, but I considered the people that I had gone to serve just too dumb and too simple to bother with, which is terrible, I know. And so they were quite frightened of me, naturally, and they killed me for it. Do you know what I learned from that lifetime? I learned the value of relationship. The value of relationship. Now, part of every lifetime is death. So we get to experience death in interesting ways. It is not at all what we think it is. And I talk very in-depth about this in the episode on death and the other side. I have died of old age a couple times, uh, very satisfied and ready to go. I have been killed in various ways, (laughs) and always, always there is a peace about it. It is sort of like playing a video game, and sometimes you might wish that you had lived longer inside the game or done something better, but also you know that you have infinite chances to do better next time. It really is that casual. Like I said, not at all what we think it is. I always like to ask when I'm doing a session if the client knew anyone in the regressed lifetime or lifetimes that they know now. Sometimes the answer is no. And more times they have some of the same or at least one of the same people that are currently in their life. And usually it's like siblings or parents or spouses, but playing a different role often. There was once that I regressed someone to a lifetime as a bird. (laughs) And that was fascinating to me because I had so many questions. I mean, if you could... If you could talk to the consciousness of a bird, what would you ask? Now, of course, my job as the practitioner is to get the story of each lifetime because the story always relates to something that is going on for the client here and now. So most of the questions that I ask is to get the story. But my biggest interest when I was talking to that consciousness was do animals feel emotions or to what level do animals feel emotions? And so I asked some questions around that. And then when the client came out of, uh, of trance, when, when the, the person came back up, I asked, what did, what did that actually feel like? Because there's a lot more going on inside of you or inside of the client than I can think to ask about. So I basically asked this client, what was that like to feel those emotions as a bird? And they said, it was so pure. It was such an incredible, simple, 
pureness. Like, for instance, the bird had been sad at one point. And so that when the client felt that sadness, it was like realizing the complexity of emotions that us humans are so accustomed to, so used to. We actually experience emotions in layers, like many, many, many layers and nuances and a lot of emotions all clumped together, like emotion complexes. <laughs> and as a bird, the emotion was just simple and singular and very pure. So that was cool. That was really neat. The other probably most unusual uh, lifetime that I've run across with a client is someone went to a life as a mermaid. <laughs> yes. So getting, of course, the physical description, what, what do you look like? What does your body look like? Was really eye-opening. It, it didn't fit. It didn't really fit most of our fairy tale descriptions. I'll tell you that. <laughs> it, it was different than most or all of the stories that we have about mermaids. This, this, uh, this mermaid was actually raised by whales and was hunted by men at one point. So that little bit of information was also eye-opening that, yeah, there have been mermaids in our world um, that have interacted with human beings. And it's really difficult to get exact time periods. Most of the time we don't, and we don't even try because it is just too difficult. So I have no idea when, when this was. I have had a lifetime on another planet where I was a helper on earth. By the way, it is not as, it's not uncommon for somebody to go to a lifetime on another planet. I'll just tell you that right now. <laughs> so one of my lifetimes on another planet was I was this helper on earth and, and I wasn't seen on earth. I was an invisible being. And I, my job was to nurture or comfort souls or spirits when they came into baby bodies or fetuses. And that was very, it was precious experience. It was just a, it was a very emotional and precious and beautiful experience because I would watch as the spirit sort of streaked in and just looked like a, a fast, almost like a shooting star, um, streaked into what looked to me inside of that consciousness as a, a big pink fetus curl. <laughs> Um, and then I'd comfort it and I, you know, I'd, I'd comfort that spirit and tell it everything's okay. You're fine. You know, nurture it. Sometimes the soul came into a fully formed baby body and it, it didn't really matter what the body looked like when it came in. It was just always so sweet and so simple. In case you were wondering, no matter what sort of a lifetime or a planet or what we might call alien beings <laughs> a person regresses to, it always seems completely normal. Speaking from my own experience, it feels completely normal inside of that. It's just from the outside looking in that we think, wow, that's pretty out there. That's pretty odd. We will talk more about this in our episode on other worlds, other universes, and aliens. Another question that might come up relating to this type of work is, do clients ever make stuff up? Are experiences of other lifetimes ever fake or faked? 
I have not had one yet, and to my knowledge, Diana has not. Dolores Cannon, of, of course, speaks to this and trains to this, and she talks about having some clients who are so determined that they were a certain person, a historical person maybe, or they were so determined to experience a certain history that they will imagine or make up what they want. Now, the energetic feel of conducting QHHT sessions is such that it would be easily discernible when this is happening. There is such a flow or a synchronicity to what each client experiences and how it relates to what they need right now, what's going on for them right now in this lifetime. The language of the subconscious is entirely foreign to our understanding. So it would be very, very difficult to fake this convincingly. This is why, of course, dreams seem so bizarre or nonsensical, yet they make perfect sense once they are decoded. When I'm doing a session, I still don't always see the correlation between the lifetimes that are shown to a client and the problems that they seek answers to in the here and now. I always, of course, ask. I have to ask. And the answers, when they come from that person's subconscious, always make perfect sense. Yet our conscious brains just don't think the way that our subconscious mind does. Also, when a person is in theta brainwave, they exhibit certain physical signs. So without very extensive training, such as um, like what it takes to work with lucid dreaming, for instance, without extensive training, a person could not make things up while in the deeper theta brainwave. Now, they can block experiences from theta, and they can decide not to see or feel something, but it would be very, very difficult to fabricate or create an entire lifetime and have it make sense or seem authentic to a hypnotherapist while in that brainwave. What's interesting about this is that every single person, myself included, wonders if their imagination fabricated the lifetimes. We are so unaccustomed to the idea that we've experienced things that we don't consciously remember. So this doubt is very common, and it is just the ego or the current personality insisting that this little reality is all that could possibly exist for us. It is a human fear of being expansive and being much more than we have been taught to believe that we are. Our conditioning, our ego is very, very strong. Also, the lifetimes that I and my clients regress to are generally not what the person or I would choose. For instance, if I was going to make up a lifetime... It would be colorful and grand and enjoyable. (laughs) Um, I'd be maybe somebody famous or at least somebody that I approve of, (laughs) not mundane or hard or sometimes just odd. Ultimately, we each get to choose what to believe and what not to. And this, all of this is just yet another example. There are several phenomenons within this work. 
for the sake of time, I'm only going to talk about one. It's a concept called imprinting. Sometimes a soul will imprint the lifetime of another soul to learn from it. Every life lived is available for imprint at the learning centers on the other side to those who would benefit from it. So there could theoretically be many who, requ- who regress to the same lifetimes because imprinting is indistinguishable from actually living the original life. Dolores Cannon did not ever have clients with duplicate lives. I have not. Diana has not. But it is theoretically possible because of this phenomenon of imprinting. And this is a good reminder to me. This whole concept is a good reminder of how much more useful our life may be than what we realize. Our experience, our lifetimes becomes available on the other side for all souls, kind of like a library book to learn from or enjoy. Apparently, souls imprint lives when they are incarnating somewhere brand new. So on a planet where they have not lived a lifetime before. Um, or in other systems or things like that. They will or we will imprint some earth lifetimes to gain knowledge or experience enough to survive a lifetime here in if, if we're going to be doing something or living in a way that we have not before. That's very, very different than what our prior experience has been. Imprinting seems to be one of the main ways that we learn, that we take in information on the other side. Now, karma is not repaid through imprinting. It sounds a little obvious, but, um, you know, the question might arise, if this imprinting exists, then why would we all not just imprint lives from the other side? Why would we come and, and live them? Well, One of the reasons would be karma. Karma is not repaid when we're just imprinting a life. So it's necessary for us, for souls, to actually live lifetimes if they're choosing to work with karma. Imprinting is just more for informational purposes. Living the original life is for experiential purposes. I'm going to end today talking about why do people want a QHHT session? What purpose does this serve? What practical use does this have? Well, and the answer to all of that is healing. Although curiosity about past lives is common and fun, most people want sessions to get answers or healing for something that is awry in their current life. Issues that we maybe cannot find answers to or healing for, and that often have roots in other lifetimes. And how does physical healing occur from a session? Well, the SC, which stands for capital S subconscious, or um, I like to think of it as soul conscious, has all of the answers concerning you and all of your lifetimes and your soul and the huge being of light that you are. The The SC is actually part of your sixth dimension self that comes back to guide your younger self as you evolve. This is part of the six dimension work that we'll all do when we progress to that level. 
Those who are negatively oriented will not connect to their SC because the SC is always ultimate love. And while a soul is experiencing, while, while a soul is choosing to have experiences in what we would call negative orientation, it will not want to have the influence of love. Now, every soul starts and ends in love, so there is no worries. Uh, there's just much to be learned from unlove. So we choose varying degrees of darkness during incarnations at different times. The SC is who we talk to during the last part of a QHHT session to understand and process the lifetimes that it showed the client and how it relates to this current lifetime. The SC has the records for every single experience that you have ever had, including imprints, and understands the reasons for them from its higher or future perspective. The SC knows exactly how to heal anything, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or spiritual healing. Healing for any and all diseases and issues can be had by accessing the SC. Beliefs. Your beliefs, my beliefs, play very, very strongly into the ability to heal because you yourself are the actual healer. I myself am the actual healer. Dolores Cannon's books are filled with accounts where clients have healed from a huge variety of medical conditions. Just about anything and everything you can imagine she has had clients heal from during a session. There are also times, plenty of times in Dolores Cannon's books, where the client was getting more value, like maybe attention or perceived love, from staying sick. Or perhaps there are still lessons to be gained from the sickness or the disease that is going on. Or perhaps the client does not believe they could be healed or does not believe that they deserve to be healed. So then they do not heal. And this is the very same thing that Jesus referred to when he was healing and asked the question that seems can seem sort of obvious, do you want to be healed? <laughs> or talked about casting out your demons before you could be healed, which usually referred to beliefs. Ultimately, we all heal ourselves. Healers of all types of all uh, alternative and traditional methods of healing can guide. They can help us see the lessons so that a physical ailment no longer needs to be present. Healers hold space for us to heal in. And healers will offer physical aids like her herbs and healthy foods and essential oils or things like that that can support our body and help it to heal. Ultimately, we heal ourselves. We create our own diseases and we create our own healing. But the reasons for our diseases are endlessly varied. So it is very helpful to get help in knowing and working with whatever's going on. The SC can absolutely tell us. The SC is you, as you exist in perfect love. I cannot express how very holy and sacred it is while I'm doing a session and speaking with the client's SC. It is always such an energy of, of pure, pure love. Even after a lifetime spent in churches and in nature and meditation and having tons of experience with the divine, I come away with awe and wonder from each and every contact 
with a client's SC. Okay, that's it. We are wrapping up this session. Your additional resources are, of course, any of Dolores Cannon's 19 books that are out. Remember to visit our author website at ddadare.com and let us know what questions you have about this or any of the information that we share. Also, you can sign up for an email notification if you would like to know when our Atlantis book series is published later this year. Thank you so much for your time. Many blessings on you and many blessings on your day today.